0: Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 11, Charity Never Faileth. The chapters we're covering this week is Third Nephi 27 through Fourth Nephi. So I'm feeling very heavy this week. I feel heavy because of all the division and anger and lack of love that I'm seeing here in my country, the United States. And as I write that, never have I I written or said those words, United States, and had the immediate thought that those seem like the wrong words. As I've been thinking these last few weeks, I feel like I'm seeing through the politics and the anger, and I still see the unity that so many seem blind to right now. When you get down to the core of most everyone you meet, we all mostly want the same things for our country. But I believe we're being blinded by Satan through contention, so we can't see it. In 3rd Nephi, chapter 11, verse 29, it says, For verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. I believe we're being blinded by him to such an extreme extent that we can't see the good in other people around us. I am hearing so much opinion giving and not much listening. And you know what I hear when I listen to people in the church? On either side politically, even if I don't agree with those people, I hear people who care about others. I hear people who care deeply about our country and who want the best for it. I hear people on both sides who want to make decisions based on what is consistent with the gospel. I hear people who are trying their very best to discern what Heavenly Father wants them to do. I hear people who love the Lord on both sides. I've been trying to think through these last few months and asking myself, Am I listening to others in a way that's consistent with the question that Christ asks his Nephite disciples in our chapters this week? And that question is, What manner of men ought you to be, even as I am? In Preach My Gospel. It lists out some Christ like attributes faith, hope, charity, love, virtue, knowledge, patience, humility, diligence, obedience. So let's ask ourselves in these conversations and interactions we're finding ourselves in what would Jesus do? What manner of men ought we to be? What would Jesus think about this other person? How would Jesus speak to this person? I don't know about you, but I sure don't feel like my personal political opinion is fact. I do not claim to be exclusively right because I am absolutely not. What I try and don't always succeed at, but what I try to remember when I am involved in any of these conversations is That because I am not exclusively right, they are also not necessarily wrong. And if you find your brain fighting against that concept, I encourage you to self-analyze. In this conversation with a fellow saint who also is trying their best to do the right thing, are you filled with Christ-like attributes as you engage in a conversation in person or online? Are you filled with charity, love, virtue, knowledge, patience, humility? Because I have seen and heard some surprisingly hostile things being said among friends and neighbors. I've even had some hostile things said to me when I felt that I was trying to do my best to be as Christ-like as possible. So I'm pretty sure we as a nation collectively are not thinking about how Christ would handle these conversations. Would Christ have us have an opinion? Yes, absolutely. Would Christ have us treat our brothers and sisters with hostility and superiority? Absolutely not. In the chapters this week, we have some amazing examples of what manner of people ought we be. In chapter 27, the disciples are beginning their journeyings around the land to preach and to baptize, and they are united in fasting and praying. Christ comes to them and asks them what they would like of him. So the question they decide to ask him is what they should call the church, because people are disputing about it. And Christ replies in verse 4 through 10. And the Lord said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Why is it that the people should murmur and dispute because of this thing? Have they not read the scriptures, which say, Ye must take upon you the name of Christ, which is my name? For by this name ye shall be called at the last day. And whoso taketh up upon him my name, and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved at the last day. Therefore whatsoever ye do, ye shall do it in my name. Therefore ye shall call the church in my name. You shall call upon the father in my name that he will bless the church for my sake and how be it my church save it be called in my name for if a church be called in moses name then it be moses church or if it be called in the name of a man then it be the church of a man but if it be called in my name then it is my church if it if it so be that they are built upon my gospel Verily, I say unto you that ye are built upon my gospel. Therefore, ye shall call whatsoever things ye do call in my name. Therefore, if ye call upon the Father for the church, if it be in my name, the Father will hear you. And if it so be that the church is built upon my gospel, then will the Father show forth his own works in it. I want to interject a little side note here before I get to what I really want to talk about. When I read this, I was thinking about the reason. That we end prayers and talks in the name of Jesus Christ. And as I was reading this, I felt prompted to start ending each podcast like that because I am doing all of this for and in the name of my Savior Jesus Christ. And He asked us in those last two verses to call whatsoever things we do in His name. And as I do this podcast, I want that blessing that he just said that the Father will hear me and that he might show forth his works in it. Okay, so on to what I really want to talk about. It seems reasonable to me that the apostles must not have all agreed on what to call the church since they felt the need to even ask. So let's think about what they were doing right before he showed up. They were united in prayer and fasting. Seems like they were not united in opinion, but united in prayer and fasting. Now, this doesn't mean that they were fighting or anything, but it is clear that they didn't agree. So what can we learn from that? I think we can learn that we can have different opinions and still be united in fasting and prayer. Obviously, our answer to the question that we are asking now is more complex because the, the question that they were asking has a perfect concrete answer to their question. Whereas as we pray about the upcoming election or complicated problems in the world, there may not be a perfect answer. But I still believe that we can be united in fasting and prayer for our country. We can still be united in fasting and prayer for his will to be done, no matter what that will is. Even if his will ends up being the opposite of how we feel politically. Anytime I'm making big decisions or praying for a specific blessing, I try to add some version of this into my prayer, and that is that this is what I want, and this is what I think is right, but I realize that you, Heavenly Father, are so much wiser than I am and that I might have it wrong. So whatever the outcome, I want your will to be done. And that's what I hope for, for our country. I have my opinions for sure, and I will be voting this election. I have an opinion of what I think is the right direction for our country. But more than I want things to go my way, I want them to go the Lord's way. And the Lord's will might be to lead our country in a different direction than I imagined or thought was right. It might be because He wants things to improve, as to the way that we think of as improvement. And it might be that he is allowing things to happen that will bring us closer to his coming. And I just don't know. But I do know that the Lord's will will happen no matter what. So my job is to align my heart with his will, even though I don't know what his will is yet. What if we all did that together? What if we all unified in fasting and prayer for his will. That doesn't mean that we don't care about the outcome. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't engage in the political process or fight for what we believe is right. What it does mean is that we can all do all of that and feel different politically and be unified in fasting and prayer for the good of our country. And it certainly means that we can approach those who think differently in this election with respect, love, humility, and patience. This made me think of the second verse of the primary song. It's one of my favorites. It's called If the Savior Stood Beside Me by Sally DeFord. It says, If the Savior stood beside me, would I say the things I say? Would my words be true and kind if he were never far away? Would I try to share the gospel? Would I speak more reverently if I could see the Savior standing nigh watching over me? If the Savior was standing beside you, would it change how you are speaking to and thinking about those around you? I think it would. I know that when I think that, it changes the way that I speak and the way that I think. So next I want to talk about the next request of the disciples. He went to them one by one and said, What is it that ye desire of me after I am gone to the Father? Nine of them said that we desire after we have lived to the age of a man, that our ministry wherein thou hast called us may have an end, that we may speedily come unto thee in thy kingdom. And he said unto them, Blessed are ye because ye have desired this thing of me. Therefore, after ye, after ye are seventy and two years old, ye shall come unto me in my kingdom, and with me ye shall find rest. But the last three have a different desire. At first, it seems like they were nervous to even ask this of the savior, but he knows their thoughts before they can get it out. He said in chapter 28, six through 11, behold, I know your thoughts and ye have desired the thing, which John, my beloved, who was with me in my ministry before I was lifted up by the Jew desire, Jews desire, desired of me. Therefore, more blessed are ye, for ye shall never taste of death, but ye shall live to behold all the doings of the Father unto the children of men, even until the things shall be fulfilled according to the will of the Father, when I shall come in my glory with the powers of heaven. And ye shall never endure the pains of death, but when I shall come in my glory, ye shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality, and then ye shall be blessed in the kingdom of my Father." And again, ye shall not have pain while ye dwell in the flesh, neither sorrow, save it be for the sins of the world. And all this will I do because of the because of the thing which ye have desired of me, for ye have desired that ye might bring souls, bring the souls of men unto me, while the world shall stand. And for this cause ye shall have fullness of joy, and ye shall sit down in the kingdom of my Father. Yea, your joy shall be full, even as the Father hath given me fullness of joy, and ye. Ye shall be even as I am, and I am even as the Father, and the Father and I are one. And the Holy Ghost beareth record of the Father and me, and the Father giveth the Holy Ghost unto the children of men because of me. Wow. Isn't that so cool? One of the things I said to my kids tonight is, isn't it so cool that they are here on the earth right now at this very moment doing something? Maybe they're taking a walk. Maybe they're helping someone. Maybe they're talking to the prophet. Maybe they're watching the sunset. I don't know. But I do know that they're out there somewhere doing the will of the Lord. Let's talk about why they wanted this. The Lord said, For ye have desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me while the world shall stand. They wanted to stay because they wanted to gather Israel. They were filled with charity. Mormon describes charity in Moroni, chapter 7, verse 47, but charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. Hearing that description makes me filled with love for these men. They are pure, their desires and purposes have become one with His, which is to bring to pass the eternal life of men. They love all of the children of God. I want to leave you with this question. How can we be more like these wonderful men and ultimately more like the Savior? I've directed my thoughts today into politics because of the coming election, but we can apply this to so many seemingly dividing topics. As I prepared this, I'm asking myself this question and I ask you to ask yourself the same Are you full of charity? even during hard times, even when others don't agree with you. As you think of that question and you think of how you've been doing in that area, I want to close with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-8. through 8. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Charity never fails. And I'd like to say these things in the name of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. If you feel prompted and inspired and felt the spirit today, I'd love to encourage you to share it with your friends and family. I really appreciate it. It really helps me reach more people if that's what Heavenly Father wants me to do. And I'll talk to you next week.